This is episode number 172 with Dale Partridge. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Today's guest, his name is Mr. Dale Partridge. He's a good friend of mine that I connected with a little over almost a year ago now. For those that don't know who Dale is, he is an entrepreneur who's launched seven companies and is most known for one of the companies called Sevenly. And each week, Sevenly partners with one qualified nonprofit and Sevenly donates $7 for every product sold to support the charity's cause. In less than two years, Sevenly has given over $3 million in $7 donations to charities across the world. He's also the author of a new book called People Over Profit, which is about breaking the system, living with purpose, and being more successful. And I've had a great uh, opportunity to connect with Dale. I, I call him a dear friend of mine now. We, we chat all the time. And uh, this guy just knows a lot about business. He knows a lot about the social landscape. There are a few people that I'm really impressed with in the in the social media space. And he is one of them based on all the things he can do to drive traffic. And he's just really bright the way he breaks things down. So we're gonna talk about some of the things he does in business, why people over profit is the most powerful thing, and how to take your business to the next level. So let me introduce you to the one and only Dale Partridge. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times membership rewards points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year and up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. From now until March 19th, Whole Foods Market is running their sales event, Taste the Mediterranean. It's a store-wide, flavor-packed journey of regionally-inspired selections. Save on Mediterranean-inspired flavors like Parmigiano-Regano, Charcuterie, and Ground Lamb. Find sales on animal welfare-certified meat. Save on seafood like Whole Bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. Stock up on wallet-happy Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles and whole wheat pita pockets. Wines from the sun-soaked vineyard of Spain, Greece, and Italy start at just $8.99. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. So many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a 
busy day, and we just stocked our office fridge with International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, and it never misses. The team's favorite flavor so far is the Caramel Macchiato. You just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee, and voila, you've got an incredible cold foam coffee, no frothing, fancy machines, or mess required. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom. The best part? It works on both hot and iced coffee. It comes in three foaming, delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast with my man, Dale Partridge on the line. How's it going, brother? What up? I'm excited, man. We've been talking about this for like seven months now since we hung out at a little mastermind up in Bend, Oregon. Was that la- that long ago? I, I know, remember. right? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, out of all the podcasts I've been doing the last couple months, I've uh, been super stoked about this one, which is I think that you and I are definitely the closest out of everybody I've talked to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I... I well, I like to think that I inspired you to start your own podcast. Yeah, you you knows? definitely you definitely <laughs> did. It's in one of my podcasts. I said I was talking to John Lee Dumas and I said I said, you know what, between you and Lewis, but I'll have to give Lewis the credit. He was kind of the starter <laughs> the starter point. Exactly. Well, for those that don't know who Dale is, we uh we met uh probably about a year ago. You hit me up on Twitter and then we finally we we started talking back and forth and then I came up to Ben and we met in person for a few days. And, you know, here's what I want to tell people is that I love to build relationships and I love to be connected to influencers and people that are like-minded, but are doing big things and bigger things than me. And I feel pretty well connected to a lot of the big players in the online marketing space, the entrepreneurship space. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm getting the same results I've been getting for the last year to two years in terms of traffic and engagement on social media and traffic to my website. And I remember thinking to myself, there's gotta be another way to figure out how to get more traffic and leads. And the people that I already know aren't helping me. You know, I'm not learning anything new from the people I already know. And I was like, what is that thing? What's what's it gonna take? And I remember meeting you and being like, this is it. Because I met you in this group of like these other online marketers who aren't well known, let's say in the, the online marketing influence space, but you guys are just killing it financially and traffic wise. And I was like, these are the type of guys I need to be meeting <laughs> who are thinking and doing things on a different level. And so I'm excited. So a lot of people are starting to learn more about you who are in my space, uh, or let's say who follow me because I promote a lot of your content on my Facebook page. And I know you share a lot of your content on on your page from me. So yep. a lot of people are emailing me saying, thank you for introducing me to Dale and his content. I love his stuff, his his blog, everything that he stands for. And since the moment I met you, my traffic has quadrupled from the month before I met you to the month after and, and since then and stayed at that level because of the stuff you taught me and the stuff I learned that you and your other friends are doing. And um, that's what it was about for me. It's about meeting the people that can really take you to the next level. And I want to talk about that because you have a new book out called People Over Profit, Break the System, Live with Purpose, and Be More Successful. And I think a lot of people want to get to the next level 
but they keep doing the same things and they keep staying in the same circles and they keep engaging in the same conversation. But if you want to get different results, you got to mix it up and you got to think differently and hang out with people who do things differently at another level. And that's what you talk about in, in your book. And we'll get into that, but really about, you know, connecting with people and making sure that they're taken care of more so than worrying about profit. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I mean, when you when you get a chance to have a company of people that feel like people instead of parts of your machine, mm -hmm. they work harder and more, you know, dedicated, more passionately than any other, you know, employees ever will. Right. So the idea is that when you when you care for the for the people, uh, you're you're actually going to be more profitable. And we see this in you know the, some of the top performing companies in the world. Yeah, and, and one of the quotes that I have right here that my actually assistant printed out and put it on my uh, table for me while I'm interviewing you is a quote from the, the book that says, how you make employees feel about themselves says a lot about your business. And I love that because when people really feel cared about, like you said, when they feel loved, when they just feel understood and heard, as opposed to what are the numbers today? What are the sales? What are, you know, give me the stat, the stats and the data. When people feel cared about they really want to work harder and they want to, they want to, you know, make sure that you're cared for and your business is successful. So, um, I love that attitude, that energy, and let's talk about it with the way you built up Sevenly, your, your company that was a, you know, multi-million dollar company that you're now no longer there, but what was, what did you really practice there? And did you know this from the beginning or did you have to learn the hard way? Yeah, you know, you know, I started a couple companies before this, and and you know, been fired from my own companies, but got got through the ringer in many ways of learning, uh, you know, about my leadership. And I remember a mentor came up to me one day and said, uh, "You know, can I can I talk to you?" And he he took me in the other room, and he said, "You know, Dale, when you talk to people, you hurt people." Mm. And I remember thinking, like, "Whoa!" And at the time, I had like forty two employees. Wow. And I I was thinking like. Uh, I looked at my at at my past and the history of the relationships that I had, and I saw a wake of destruction. I mean, just of people that I had not cared for, and I, I think that this might be one of the reasons that qualifies me to write this book, um, is because I've I, I struggle here, but I'm also winning here, and. Um, you know, in this time at, at Sevenly, I had to to really regain this trust. And I mean, remember that the marketplace, um, you know, left left to itself, it doesn't see people. You know, it sees pieces to a puzzle. It sees potential purchasers. It sees you know zeros and dollar signs and uh, credit card swipes and and bottom lines, right? So, and and every dollar our company makes is a reason not to change. You know, mm -hmm. what that that worked. Let's just yeah. not let you know. I don't need to change. It's keeping a jerk. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what we've done is we've tied a lot of the, the, the negative things that we've done in our past, we've tied that to our success. Mm -hmm. You know, we say, well, you know, lying, I've lied for 10 years and, you know, I'm really successful and very wealthy. And, and uh, so I'm going to keep doing that because I've tied lying to my success. And so it, it's really hard to be able to pick and choose and go, what do I need to get rid of that's actually bad? And what do I need to keep that's actually good? Um, and you know, so it's, th this is the depth of, of kind of real emotional leadership because you know, what, what got us here isn't going to get it, get us there. And you, you right. saw that even in the marketing, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over and you go, man, I need to jump to the next level. Um, same thing with leadership. So we, we look at the strongest companies in the world and it's so funny because, you know, let's talk, let's talk about like Patagonia or North Face or Whole Foods or In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A or, uh, Ben and Jerry's, these companies that just crush it in the marketplace, right? Their leaders 
they they all do the same thing and they have no idea that they're doing this. They're not tattooed on their, you know, HQ. They're not in their mission statements. They're not in their business plans. Um, and they're not things that you're going to find in Fast Company or Inc. Or, or Harvard Business Review. Instead, they're things that you, that you, you know, your parents taught us in kindergarten. They're like the very basic principles of life. Like don't lie, like be, you know, right. love, love one another, like be kind, share and be generous. And, you know, at this, at this basic level is where these, these leaders are crushing it because it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I'm, I'm talking, these are the things that humans have struggled with forever, right? We, you know, I'm 30 years old and I still tell my wife that I'm around the corner and I'm not, I'm lying. Right. And so it's like, you know, it's, we still struggle with these things as leaders. And, um, and this is where we find success is when we can be these moral, ethical, incredibly, you know, uh, strong willed integrity, you know, built with integrity type leaders that can take over our companies and lead our companies to success. Mm. So what would you say is the most important ingredient to running and then growing a successful company? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's emotional leadership for sure. So, I mean, this is, this has been being able to become that leader. Um, you know, and I remember switching my thoughts. So I thought as soon as I switched and and stopped seeing money as the primary goal, but as a byproduct of helping a million people, that was the big shift. I saw, uh, I I got into settling. I said, my whole focus was just changing a million people's lives. And that was the focus. And the result was a multi-million dollar company. Mm-hmm. And so shifting that, that into purpose and shifting that into caring and, sh- you know, as the CEOs of our companies, whether we're, you know, two employees, five employees or 500 employees, um, it's our ability to, to nurture and to care and to love. Um, and I, I see this in, you know, so many different ways where people, um, I'll give you a great example of one thing that we did at Sevenly that I think was completely different from anybody else. And just so uh, people know, will you explain what Sevenly is for a moment? Yeah, so Sevenly is a, a social good company where every week we partner with a new nonprofit, and we would sell products like hats and beanies and shirts and jackets and bags. And and anytime somebody bought a product, we would give that charity seven dollars. And uh, so if we sold a thousand products, we give the charity seven thousand dollars. We we grew the company to about you know almost fifty employees, almost you know uh, you know almost ten million dollars a year in revenue. And we actually gave away $4.2 million in $7 donations, which is crazy to think about. Um, but one thing that we changed in my leadership, I said, okay, if I'm going to believe that people uh, are, are more valuable than profit, I mean, remember, the book title is not people instead of profit. <laughs> it's, you know, we need profit, but it's, it's people over profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I redefined I re, uh, the golden rule. And um, the golden rule is, is we fire people the way we would like to be fired. Mm. Nobody likes to get fired. I mean, it's like it's a crappy day for anybody, right? Sure. And um, I remember thinking, man, companies ask for two-week notice when people quit, yet we just drop people <laughs> any day of the week, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you go, hey, oh, sorry, man, we got to let you go. And like, we don't give them two weeks notice. Right. And, and so I thought, let's, let's, why are we doing these things, right? Like tradition is powerful. Like pattern is powerful. <laughs> so like we've been doing things... And just because it's been around for a long time doesn't mean that it's the right way to do it. And uh, so I said, okay, let's let's instead let's start let's start firing on Fridays. Uh, let's give them um, notice, uh, and if not notice, then what we'll do is we'll actually extend their pay for at least two weeks, sometimes in, in longer. We have to remember that these people are parents; they're 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 husbands and wives. They're mm-hmm. they have mortgages and bills, and they're people just like us, right? And um, 
we started, we made a, a policy to never speak to the person, only to the problem. And, uh, and we would actually, I, I would even write them a letter of recommendation for the things that they were good at. Mm. And, and we would sometimes extend their benefits. I mean, we had one time where, where uh, a, a guy's wife was about to have a baby. Like, let's be known as the company that changes the world, but then lets our employee go into a birth without insurance, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so like, right. we had to think about those things, and every person is unique. So one other thing that we did um, that was, was different is we would tell these people, because a lot of the times it was just, hey, the, the initiative is, is no longer needed, so we had to let people go. It might not right. be that they're just bad employees, right? Right. And we'd say, hey, do you want to come back uh, on Monday? And we'd like to go around the room, all the staff, and tell you how great you are. Wow. And um, 80% of the people would do that. And they'd come back and they'd sit in the center of the room. And we would walk around and say, man, John, you know, you, your ability to draw is incredible. I love just coming over at lunch and just sitting over your, over your shoulder and watching you draw. You're so gifted. And then the next guy say, like, I, you know, you make me laugh. You're the reason I get up in the morning to come here because you make me laugh. And wow. this person leaves feeling not as a past employee, but as like alumni. Huh. And, and, and this is, this is the difference. And this is what, what happens. And everybody feels safe in this company because they go, you know what? If there's a day that I do get transitioned out of this company, it's not going to be horrible. It's not going to be bloody. And it's not going to leave me hanging. Wow. That's pretty powerful. So really you focus on acknowledging everyone for their gifts, not for their downfalls. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean remember that the longer that someone stays there that's not gifted in the, the, the ways that you need it, it's, it's, it's crappy for them and for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and people aren't, you know, just because they're bad for your company doesn't make them bad people, right? Sure. Sure. Do you think people should be implementing some type of plan or tracking system of their employees on their happiness or their levels of fulfillment? Or how can someone manage that? And, and you know, if you have three employees or 300, how do you manage that if you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's incredibly irresponsible um, for a leader to not employ someone to be, especially when your staff gets large, uh, to take care of this kind of stuff. So uh, what we did is what, when, once we hit about 20 employees, we said, hey, we need to have someone who's in charge of this. And I hired, um, I hired a guy uh, who was our chief culture director. And all he did, he's pretty much like a therapist for the staff, right? right. It was it was totally not HR because HR is so boring and it's legal <laughs> and, and it's. Um, but this guy would his whole goal was to make people know uh, that the executive team, the shareholders, um, that we love them and that we want to care for them. And so we would do things like um, <clears throat> I remember our tagline for the company was "People Matter," hmm. and um, it's kind of the banner of my leadership style. And and I remember. Uh, it was, it was Father's Day. It was coming up, actually, two days before Father's Day. And I, I was thinking, like, Mother's Day gets so much attention, right? <laughs> so right. much attention. You know, it's like one of the busiest holidays of the year. But fathers sometimes feel left out. And I thought, if people matter, then fathers matter. And I think that that relationship sometimes is, is, is a difficult relationship for a lot of people. And so we, uh, I, I, told this, I told LV, the guy that was running it, and I said, hey, man, why don't you give everybody 100 bucks each employee, to take out their dad's or their father figure mm. on Father's Day. And so we made this announcement and we we kind of we want to we want we wanted our company to be known for like the reason that maybe rekindled a relationship between a, a father and a daughter or son. Mm. And it's again like at what point did our company did companies stop caring about people? Like I I feel like what where did we lose this? 
and we see it in lots of the star- in a lot of startups today. But we we lost it in a lot of the big corporations of today as well. Mm-hmm. So so this is kind of the the shift is just how can we how can we really start looking past the the bottom line and into the souls and eyes of of those who 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 work for us? Why do you think so many startups? have lost that you know i'm sure there are some and we hear stories about some but why do you think the majority of them don't focus on happiness within their team necessarily as a main focus but more on profit or leads or sales or whatever yeah you know i I, one thing i'm saying is this i'm learning is that making money is one of the easiest things people can do um I think that most of the people listening today and, and, and you know, most of the people that Lewis and I know here are, are very easy. They we're good at making money. Right. And, and, and that's an easy thing to figure out. Uh, one of the hardest things to figure out is to be able to make money and be liked by almost everybody that you do business with. Um, these people that say, oh, man, it's not business or it's not, it's not personal. It's just business. Right. Those are like the most dangerous leaders out there. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, everything's personal, bro. Like this is, this is, this is personal. Um, and so I think that the focus on profit is easy. It's really easy to focus on. And, and especially like the COO types, the logistics, you know, the, the left brain people that, that are very focused on just kind of the black and white, uh, who are kind of a a little bit emotionally handicapped in some way. Uh, you know, and, and I know this because I'm just struggle with the same thing. Right. It's difficult, man. It's difficult to, to look at people and go, you're, you're, not, you're not part of our, our plan and, and I need to think about you in a different way. Like, so it, it, that's what I'd say is that profit is easy. You know, people is hard. And I remember our tagline, our tagline for Sevenly was do good. It used to be do good. And I was so stoked about it. I was like, yeah, like <laughs> do good. And when I switched it to people matter, I remember thinking, man, do good is easy. Mm. Uh, people matter is really hard. And sure. And, um, you know, to, to walk into a room and be like, man, you know, that guy right there is just as valuable as me. And I think that um, uh, Bill Gates said it best. Is there, there's no human life. Every human life is worth exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about that, you go, I got to walk into Walmart and look at that dude in the eye and be like, man, that guy is worth exactly the same as me. Mm. And, and that changes your shift in, in your leadership style. Mm. Uh, I don't want to alienate everyone who's listening because there might be a few people listening who's saying, wow, you know, making money is, is not easy for me. You know, it's been a struggle. It's been a challenge. And it's the one thing I can't figure out. I can love everyone and be supportive, but money is really a struggle for me to make. And at one point I was there for a few years, I wasn't making anything. And I was like, is this ever going to work? You know, am I ever going to be able to make money? So, you know, I, what I would say is once you figure it out, how to do it, it becomes very easy to replicate over and over. And I think sometimes guys like you and I forget that because we know how to just turn it on at any moment. But I know well, there, it, And what it is is also is that it's those people have it a little bit easier because yeah. because it's really hard to learn how to love people. That's if you're not born yes. with that, man, that's like a that's like a thing you're you're going to read 100 books and make very little <laughs> progress, right? Exactly. But if you want to figure out how to make money, you could read 100 books and make a good chunk of distance, right? Exactly. Um so yeah, so you're right. It's definitely um something that's still a struggle. Um, but yeah, I, I sometimes wish that I had that struggle than the one that I have now. <laughs> exactly. 
My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give you an extra stream of income, and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So when did you first start making your, your first dollars or when was your first entrepreneurial success? Yeah. So I thought for sure I was going to be a professional baseball player. Like yeah. it, it was, it was like in the cards, I got a full scholarship to one of the greatest baseball schools. And, and in the summer between, um, between high school and college, I was playing baseball of course. And, and, uh, you know, is the end of a game. I'm ninth inning and I'm, I'm watching every pitch is radar guns up, radar guns up radar guns up and, and notes. Right. And so I'm, I'm pitching hard. I'm throwing 87 miles an hour, which You're is pitching. really fast. Yes. I'm a pitcher. Yeah. Left-handed pitcher and 87 miles an hour for a five foot nine guy is really fast. Sure. And, um, boom, my elbow, just like the bone. If you reach down on the inside of your elbow, Ugh. that bone was like down on my tricep. Ugh. <laughs> and it was it. Gosh. That was, that was, that was done, man. Like Every scout in the world would would note about that and say, "This guy broke his arm when he was young. He ain't playing." Wow. So I um I stopped uh, I stopped baseball. I started my first company, thinking that I could learn how to fix myself, which is a fitness company, and um, grew that to about you know five or six employees and about almost a half million a year, and uh, realized that I was training overweight wealthy women, and I was a therapist and not a trainer. Mm. And I hated it. So I, I, uh, I, I was also, you know, 19 or 20 years old. I sold that company to a young couple for 50 grand. Um, and I was the wealthiest 19 year old I've ever met. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this money? I don't ever have to work again. And um, I, I, uh, I took that money because I was an addict of Chipotle. Uh, um, I mean, I, I ate Chipotle. Chipotle. Oh, it's so good. And I was, um, I walked in one day and the guy like literally knew my name. He's like, Hey Dale. He's like, we went public today. Um, and I was like, Oh really? I was like, uh, you know, and I had this money and I was thinking about playing the stock market. We IPO at, at $21 a share. And I said, huh, I went home and I, I funded 10,000 bucks into my account and invested into Chipotle. And I just lucked out because Chipotle happened to go up to like $121 a share Shut in like up. a couple of months. It went so fast. And I thought, Oh my God, I have to sell. There's no way that I'm going to make, that I'm, that I'm going to make any more money. I, so I, I sold, uh, if you look today, it's at like $600 a share. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I lost a bunch of money on solar stocks. Um, and, uh, you know, was definitely, you know, the biggest idiot on the stock market for a long time. And, uh, and then started a rock climbing gym, uh, raised a half million dollars from my, from my past wealthy overweight clients, husbands, and, uh, which is a fun experience. And I uh, started this rock climbing gym and uh, got fired from that company. Then, when did that? Th this is this that process of me trying to figure out who I was as an entrepreneur. And this sure. was that was the journey. And I, I remember thinking that, you know, it takes ten years to build an overnight success. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's that that process. We're so eager to like make this business work. And and I remember thinking so many times that this is it. Like 
I'm going to be building rock climbing gyms for the rest of my life. Like, and then like, oh, I'm going to own this branding agency for the rest of my life. And, and, and then, oh, sevenly, this is it for sure. You know, but we, we transition. And I think that also there's, there's a bit of the human mind that craves variety. And, um, and, and that, that journey is, it's just remember the more you start, the more you get on that dream, the faster you get at doing it. And, and so for me, I can start a company in three months and make it work, but I couldn't do that seven years ago. Right. You know, so it's just getting out there. And, and, and I always say entrepreneurs learn by doing, not learning to do. So just get out there and start crushing. Now you've been transitioning over the last, I guess, year and a half, uh, two years since leaving Sevenly and now kind of starting your own online brand and business and following and everything that you've been doing. And you've done an, you know, an incredible job and you've been learning a lot. What's the biggest lesson you learned from, let's say, a traditional offline business to with a bunch of employees to basically having you know maybe one or two employees working virtual and running an online business? So one of the things that people don't know about me is, is I'm a bad business partner. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm like a, a deceptive, horrible person. It's just that I'm just not good at being a partner. I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm really need to be in control and I need to lead. And that's just who I am. And I struggle with that for a long time. Cause this is this, this business that I started now, startupcamp.com is the first company that I've done on my own. And so this is, this is unique because I think there's a, still a little piece of me that go, man, can I do this on my own? So I understand that struggle where people say, oh, I need partners because it's an insecurity that I can't do it on my own. And, um, you know, I'm married with a, with a little baby and, and it's really hard for me to be good at this marriage, right? So I don't need another marriage, <laughs> right? <laughs> to, to say, oh yeah, you know, let's, let's be good at two or three marriages. And, um, so, so that's one thing I'm on my own now, which is, it feels really good to, 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 it feels right. So if you're that guy that's questioning that all the time, just know that it's okay to, to say that I'm just not a good business partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I have the highest, you know, my whole goal now is highest amount of revenue, least amount of employees, geographically independent, uh, having purpose, freedom, um, at the core. And I've, I've been able to create this new business with, with very little employees, uh, high revenue. It's very intriguing. It's exciting. It's, it's freedom. It's, it's the real idea of the entrepreneur. And I'll tell you a story. I, was, I, owned a, I owned a house in the mountains when I lived in California, in Lake Arrowhead, California. And I walked up there. It was in the middle of the summer. And it was at night. And I'm walking around the lake. And I'm looking at these three, four million dollar homes. Beautiful homes. And I'm walking around with my wife. And, and I look and nobody's there. Like nobody's at these houses. And I thought to myself, you know, these people don't own their businesses. Their businesses own them. Mm. And, and they are stuck uh, chasing the things that don't matter. And they, they have these beautiful t- opportunities. It's summertime. Like you should be with your family. And they have these massive companies that just own their time. And I thought, I don't want to do that. It's, it's for some people. It's not for me. Um, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good son, um, a good brother. And, and it, you know, to, to be great at those things takes time. So this is the, this is the new journey. And it's, I'll tell you, it's really, it's really brilliant, I guess, when people go, oh, I have a giant company and I, and my, you know, and I make, I make $500,000 a year. It's like, okay, cool. You know, but I, I think, you know, and they work 80 hours a week, right? Right. And I think that's even more successful when you go, I have a really small company and I work about 15 hours a week and I make a half million a year. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's been my new entrepreneurial chase. You know, right. It's like, how effective can I be with my time? And I think that's 
really what makes a great entrepreneur um, is, is being able to do that. So remember that, you know, an entrepreneur isn't, you know, you, you don't want to be an employee for your own company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you want to do it so that you can, you can have that freedom to, to do the things that matter relationships, right? Not, not right. revenue all the time. Exactly. What do you think are the, you know, two, three, four few things that every entrepreneur, if they're starting their own venture online right now, needs to have in order to be successful? What are the things that you, if there's a brand new person listening, who's like, okay, I want to start this thing online and I want to get moving. And my goal is to make a half a million to seven figures a year within the next couple of years. What are the key ingredients you would say that they need to have, whether it be technical things or vision based, what would those things be? that they must have in order to set a clear foundation and a, and a solid foundation for themselves moving forward? I have three. Okay. So, uh, design a marketing and fear, and I'll talk about them in that order. So for me, design has been, we live in the aesthetic generation. Yes. We live in a time where millennials are driven by fear and, and are driven by, uh, beauty. And so you look at this and you go, Oh my gosh, like this company is so beautiful. That's credibility in your design. So when someone sees good design, they go, if they care this much about the smallest details, they must care about me. And and so design is this, this instant trust, consumer trust that's built from it. So if you have bad design, you you will almost for sure not work. Your company won't work. And I'll tell you, I can look at a company's logo if they're a startup and, and pretty much from their logo be able to say if they're going to be successful or not. Mm-hmm. And because because the, the rest of the stuff on the back end of business, again, you can read a book to learn that. But design is something that you have to develop. And it has nothing to do with Photoshop. It has nothing to do with Illustrator. It has everything to do with your eye. So you develop your eye. That's how you get better at design. So you you know, for me, I look at furniture and, and interior design and fashion and web design and and product design and, and every possible element of my life is curated because remember the way we do one thing is the way we do almost everything. And so for me, everything must be beautiful. It cannot diminish the content. So the content still needs to be solid, not just good content, but useful content, but it has to be beautiful as well. And, and people that don't understand this and don't understand the power in design typically are in the back of the race. So that's one. Um, marketing. And, and just, to, to, just to clarify there and uh, emphasize that, you know, I had pretty, let's say, basic, average, boring design probably about four years ago, you know. Uh, and, and when I was starting out, you know, five, six years ago, I had basic design and I was getting basic results. You know, at one point, my business started to make more money with still basic design. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I don't really need to focus on this design thing because I'm able to jump on a webinar and 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 create great value and content that I'm generating sales anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know, I didn't have a beautiful website, I didn't have a, you know, a beautiful logo, it was just kind of like a quick 99 design thing that didn't matter. But what I realized is that if I wanted to make make it to the next level, if I wanted to really connect with the influencers, connect with the media in such a powerful way so that they wanted to bring me on. Yes. If I wanted to have a book agent take me seriously, you know, get to the next level of credibility and influence in the world that design did matter. And when I and so I spent a good three, four months creating a whole branding doc of how I wanted my online image to look, how I wanted my new website design to look, working with the highest, the best designers that I could find. And I implemented it over two years ago 
I still get emails every week from people saying, gosh, your website is beautiful and like telling me that they're copying it basically. Yeah. And you know, when people talk about your design alone, it, it brings more attention to you and your business. So yeah, it's you're, important. you're, yeah, you become more referable, more yes. talkable because remember nobody wants to say, Hey, check out this website that I love and it's really ugly. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, and, and you're, you're so right with the press and with other influencers. And that's why like, you know, Lewis, one thing that you've done that I've done also is, is you hire always a professional photographer to take yes. your photos. Yes. I have, I have 40 different headshots that I could use for different things. <laughs> yes. And you need that because remember you are marketing yourself and you can't, you can't do iPhone photos and you know, from your buddy that thinks he's a photographer, you got to spend the money. Yep. And because that kind of stuff's incredibly important. Exactly. Um, so, so number two is, is marketing. Um, and it sounds so simple. Oh, marketing. Well, marketing for me is that I don't care if you have a PhD from Harvard in marketing, it doesn't matter anymore because every day you wake up and you go to school. Um, you have to figure out, okay, what, what changed on Pinterest this morning? What is email marketing shifting into? What did Google AdSense change today? And so marketing is, it's a brutal industry to be in today um, because it's always changing. You Right when you figure it out and you're like, oh man, it's crushing. Facebook ads is doing well. <laughs> it changes. And it changes. And then you're like, crap, right? And you know, with, with like Facebook never sharing their algorithms, you know, or you know, <laughs> you, you never know. So you constantly have to test and you constantly have to be in it. And if you're out for say three to four months, you're lost again. I mean, you have to, you have to consistently be on it. And that's why it's it's um, it's testing. It's it's doing it. It's it's uh, following the right people that are winning, and uh, and then the another part of marketing. What I'll say is is own your audience instead of buy your audience. So I'm a big fan of of instead of I, I try to build big audiences and and own them, and then market to those people. So I I own lots of uh, social media real estate is what you can call it. Uh, Instagram accounts and Pinterest accounts and different things that I have built over the last few years that that have, you know, that can't be taken away from me. And, and that's, the, that's the one thing is you're constantly needing to protect that. Um, so that's something I would, I would consider is, is work on building it now because a year from now you'll wish you did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the social media is still powerful. You know, some people say, well, Twitter and Facebook are going to die eventually this and that. But the thing is, it's so powerful right now to get instant traffic and instant connections and referrals through these social media channels. And Dale's one of the guys I learned from on how to really acquire these uh, accounts and how to grow them and how to leverage them from uh, networks of people. And, uh, you know, what's your, what's your top two or three traffic sources right now? You know, uh, number one is Pinterest, which right. is always shocks people, right? Um, Pinterest is such a great traffic tool. Um, and then number two is Facebook still, uh, it, it would go back and forth sometimes between Twitter and Facebook, but Twitter, um, Twitter's tough. Twitter's a hard spot to be in. It's a great spot you need to be in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Twitter's becoming like the next generation's news source. So I, I would right. say it's got a pretty long life cycle, but um, Facebook with Facebook ads and then the virality component still is great. But, it, you know, Instagram's are coming, coming up on a, as a major player still. And, yeah. um, you know, and I know Snap people are jumping on Snapchat like crazy right now. And, and I think that's maybe has some potential in the future too. I, the big thing is constantly being everywhere. Um, but, <laughs> it's tough. but it's tough. And remember that, you know, do what you do and do it well. And yeah. what you don't do well, don't do it. Um, exactly. if, you, if you can't crush on Facebook 
or on Instagram or on Snapchat, then don't there. I, I, I own at Dale Partridge on Snapchat. I haven't done any Snapchats yet because I just don't have the time right now and I can't yeah. crush it there. Yeah, you know, Snapchat, I've been, it's like been like a battle for the last year and a half for me because everyone's like, you got to get on, you got to get on. And I've tried to a couple times, but I don't like my content disappearing. You know, we, right? <laughs> we spend, we, it's gone. That means no one else can see it. And I'm like, why am I going to create something that no one can see in a year? I've got YouTube videos that people email me about from years ago that they're like, I love this interview you did that you had on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad it's available for people to search and find. Can't do that on Snapchat. Yeah, I, it's not a content space for sure. So I don't know. I, I know it has its benefits and you're, you know, can, connecting with people in a different way, but it, it's tough. You got to figure out things that you can do well. Focus on those first. Don't try to do it all unless you're doing it all well because you have a system in place for each one. Then you can start implementing all of them. But, you know, I didn't do Pinterest until I met Dale and learned his system on it and how to really leverage it because I, I didn't understand it. And I was like, I don't understand this. You know, I'm going to yeah. stick to Twitter and Facebook. So, yeah. And, you know, and check this out. I mean, Lewis, we, we always forget that like there's that, you know, all, I guess anybody that's listening to this, that there's normal people out there that use these things because, you know, because they're all, they, they don't have, they don't have a business to like be marketing on or whatever. Right. 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 And, and like, like my wife, like loves Snapchat, right. Because she just uses it like a consumer would, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, I think to myself, man, I wonder what it's like to, <laughs> to, to use Facebook because like, I actually want to talk to people, you know, <laughs> not and to I, market I, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like not to market something, meaning that I have my own personal <laughs> Facebook page for my, for my family and friends that with, you know, a hundred people on there. Yeah. And I love that. And I get a chance to see my dad and who doesn't live in Oregon with me. And, and so, but I, I understand that purpose, but I thought about it. I'm like, man, like I'm constantly in marketing mode. I, I'm trying to be as authentic as I possibly can. So it's one of those things as leaders and as marketers, we got to constantly be reminding ourselves that the rest of the world's not like us. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you were so, if you're going to invest in, so if you're a new entrepreneur, or you're an entrepreneur who's stuck, and you can invest in one to three things marketing wise, what would you be investing your time in right now, knowing what's happening over the next year or two? Um, man, I, I would invest my time into. I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. I'm, I'm pretty confident in in what they're doing. Uh, they're constantly changing, and the Facebook ad function is still pretty stinking powerful right now. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, Pinterest is a great future, uh, has a really great future. And I think that email is going to be sustainable. Um, email has the, at least so far, the longest track record of success. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's obviously owned by Google because they run Gmail and, and, you know, majority of the emails in the world. But I think that email marketing is becoming cleaner, uh, as we, we learn how to get rid of the crap that we don't want and we unsubscribe mm-hmm. from the many things that we want. But we also... We also actually say, hey, I actually subscribe to three or four blogs or to three or four podcasts. Yeah. And, um, and then I guess podcasting, man. I mean, I think podcasting has got a great future. I mean, we're all, we're all radio show hosts now, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's, um, it, it's hard to get to the top. I mean, I'm, 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 what, 19 shows in with a pretty massive platform. And I'm still, you know, working, working hard to, to catch up to guys like Lewis. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, but yeah, so it's, it's – um, that's what I would jump in. I think that Pinterest is very unique and I think you got to play with these, be on them for at least, you know, 20 minutes a day. Um, because, um, I think there's, I, I think that's really what it takes. You gotta, you gotta know the culture of each one and, uh, and then get into a mastermind group. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's just five guys or girls that are just like you, they're all, you know, the power of five over power of one is so much greater. So, yes. um, jump in one, you know, create one, take, take charge and say, Hey, we're going to put one together. Yes. Okay. And the third thing that you were talking about, 
yeah, yeah. The last thing, the last thing is fear. Um, so fear has kept so many would be leaders, uh, so many would be entrepreneurs on the sidelines, you know, uh, while the, you know, these good opportunities and ideas just paraded by, you know, they're not lacking insight. They're lacking courage. And, um, I'll tell you this, this life that you're living right now, this is not rehearsal. Like this is your life today. And if you sit there and you watch your dreams just die in front of you because of you're too busy or because of circumstances or whatever it might be, like you don't get a second chance. This, this is it. And so I, I, I constantly try to encourage people to say, like chase those things, like get on them, build time into it, right? You know, Dave Ramsey says a great quote, says live like no one else so that eventually you can live like no one else. And I think that's true is that today you got to live like no one else, which means that you're working more. Maybe you're working at night and, and you're not spending money and you're learning how to save. And, but you know, if you do those things, then a couple of years from now, you're going to be living like no one else. You're going to have freedom and you're not going to have to go to work and you're going to, you're going to have that time with your family and you're going to get to be the dad or mother you wanted to be. And so I, I'd say, you know, just, just focus on that, focus on that, on that courage. I mean, many who, who lack the courage, um, to forge ahead alone, um, they're always looking for someone to take the first step, to go first, to show the way. Um, but I, I can argue that the dark provides the optimal context for an entrepreneur. You know, mm, yeah. if, if, the, if the path was well lit, you know, it'd be crowded and it's yeah, not. That's true. I like that. What's your, what's your biggest fear then moving forward? For me, um, I actually recently told my wife, I think my biggest fear is being irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I'm constantly like making sure that people know who I am and that I have this message to tell and that, that I'm, that I'm, you know, I'm influential and that I, I want to be successful and I don't just want to be successful in business, but as successful as a man, as a, at home and as a friend, like I said earlier. And my fear sometimes is that people just don't know who I am. And, and it's a, it's an insecurity. Um, it's a shame and, and it, and it hurts me in a major way because I, I hustle sometimes harder than I need to. Um, because I don't, I don't, sometimes I, I have to remember that like, I can't take any of this stuff with me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, this stuff is, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to sit on my deathbed. We know this because there's a, the hundreds of studies done on people dying. No one's going to say, man, I'm so pissed that I didn't work more. You know, like it's going to be like, I wish that I spent more time with the people that matter. And, um, so th- that's, that's the, the big encouragement is to, uh, you know, to focus on that. My biggest fear. And I think many, many leaders fear is that, that if we stop, we won't be relevant. And I don't think that's true. Mm, that's a good point. What do you think is the biggest lesson you still need to learn that you haven't learned? Oh, man. I think it has to do with um, probably probably mentorship. Um, you know, I, I, I would say the, you know, self-evaluation. So I, I would say self-evaluation is helpful, um, but evaluation from someone else is essential. And I, having someone giving someone permission one or two safe people permission to speak into your life at a very raw level i mean nobody mm. nobody likes to tell anybody that they have a booger on their face <laughs> right you know at dinner you're like oh man i got to tell them that you know <laughs> but um it's it's you know it's true you sometimes we do things we let fear run our lives we we're in a relationship that's not good for us. We, we get caught in lies. We are sarcastic or we're exaggerate too much or we mislead people or, 
um, we're rude to one another. And, and if you don't have anybody that can go up to you and go, man, you hurt people, then you're never going to grow. So you got to find that one or two or three people, safe people, that'll say, hey, man, like you can't do that anymore. Because um, that's, that's what real growth happens. And if you can sit there humbly and go, damn, like, okay, all right, I, I, can, I can focus on that. And, and sure, it's going to take you months, maybe even years to fix some of those things. Mm-hmm. But that's how people win right there. Yeah, I like that. And, I, you know, I, uh, I've had many mentors, uh, official and unofficial, for years and people that I just look up to and admire that I reach out to for feedback all the time. And now I, I, you know, I hire someone that I, who's a good friend of mine. I pay him monthly to get on a call 30 minutes once a week and literally give me feedback, listen to what I've been up to. Sometimes he gives me good feedback and other times he's just like, okay, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, that's the feedback I need. Um, But I feel it's so valuable and important, specifically at the level I'm at, to have someone always checking me and making sure that they're giving me their 100% honest feedback about everything, about my business, about the way I show up, about you know, a podcast episode that I did, whatever it may be, but just being so honest with me. And some of it lands where I'm like, okay, yeah, I see that. And, and I'll make a shift. And some of it doesn't where I'm like, nah, you know, I feel, I don't feel like an authentic here. I feel like I'm good actually, but I think it's good to have that feedback. So you hear it either way. Yeah. You know, I, I had one story. Um, I don't know, you know, I know we're coming close on time here, but I want to tell you the one that the thing a couple of years ago, this made me really think I had a, I had a woman come up to me who was 39 years old. Uh, she was telling me her story. Um, I was actually at the airport and I got to know this woman and, and just briefly because we were sitting in the airport for a couple hours together. And she's telling me, you know, about her past and, and about her relationships and stuff and that she, um, she had so many relationships that she would date for three or four years and then, you know, break it up in three or four years and then break it up three or four years and break it up. And she said she struggled with settling with, you know, good enough. Right. And, um, uh, she says, you know, and now, I find myself 39 years old and, um, you know, I've always wanted to be a mother and I feel like that dream is slipping through my hands. Mm. And she says, all I do every day is wish that somebody told me when I was younger to like, like the things that I struggle with so that I can make one of those relationships work. And I know this is a business podcast and this is a personal topic, but I'll tell you the personal life, you know, extends into your business life. You know, we get Mm. so caught in, in running that we forget, you know, we get so busy making a living that we forget to make a life like that, that one great quote. And, and so I, I just, you know, that's the big thing is that self-evaluation is something that, yeah, your business world, someone's going to tell you, man, dude, you need to do this instead of that. But having someone that's like you said, Lewis, that's in your life that says, I'm going to tell you about your business life, but I'm also going to tell you about your personal life because that's where professionals grow, right? Personal mm-hmm. development equals professional success. I mean, that's what has to happen. And, um, you know, and make sure that you start asking those hard questions, right? Like those, like, do you want to be married? Do you want to be a business partner? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Do you want to have children? Do you want to travel? Like, what are those things that you really do want? Do you want, do you, do you have a religion? Do you like, don't just like ignore those questions, you know, and tell that person who's going to evaluate you. Like those things are important to you. They don't need to be handled right now, but just say like, keep hounding me about this stuff (laughs) because I need someone to hold me accountable, you know? Exactly. Uh, otherwise we get lost. So exactly. I love that. I got a couple questions left for you and, uh, I want to make sure to send people, uh, back to the website. I'll tell you guys where to get this book, but it's people over profit, 
Break the System, Live with Purpose, Be More Successful with Dale Partridge. I'll tell you guys where to go in a second for that. Uh, a couple of questions left for you. I've been asking people at the end of the podcast lately, which I've been enjoying the responses, so I'll ask you. It's, it's the end of your life. I know it's kind of morbid sounding, but it's the end of your life in 100 years. And uh, the last day, all of your work has been deleted and removed from the internet. All of your books are gone. For whatever reason, it just they vanished. And you have a pen and a paper. They're on your bed. You've got a few hours left. You've got an opportunity to write down three truths that you know about life. What would those three truths be that you know? Ooh. And this would be for the world to see the only work that you ever create is these three truths that they see. Your family, your friends, the world. What would they be? Well, definitely would one would be um, don't get too busy making a living that you forget to make a life. So I think that that's a massive struggle for many. Um, the other would be um, promote what you love instead of bashing what you hate. Mm. I think there's a lot of the world needs a little bit more of that. We need we need it's there's so much controversy and so much you know clashing between people. You know, then the last thing would probably be something about something about God, just to say you know make sure you ask those questions, like make sure you find out because, um, you know, one friend told me when I was 19, he said, you know, it's interesting that he says, I'd rather live, I'd, I'd rather live life believing that there was a God and finding out that there wasn't than living life, be, not believing that there was a God and finding out there was. Mm. And, and I thought, um, he says the risks are just too big and that's not the reason you want to follow God anyways. But the idea is that I thought, wow, that's, that's heavy. <laughs> that's a heavy thought. So I've been, I've, I've been pondering that one for 10 years still. And so, yeah, that's, th those are the three, three that I would probably leave. Okay. Great answers. And what are you most grateful for recently in your life? You know, um, being a dad, and I know it's very cliche, um, to say something like this, but I'll tell you, um, being a father, I get a chance to learn how humans grow and, and I get to, you, you don't remember how you learned how to drink you know, like you, you don't, you don't remember that stuff. Like you don't remember how you learned how to, uh, you know, pick things up, you know? And so when you get to, to be a dad, you get a chance to see, uh, learn about the earlier phases of life that you forgot. And, um, I really just enjoy looking at creation, like this, this little human that lives in our house. Right. And she, she is so, so cute, by the way, she, she is so, so cute <laughs> and, and she's so fun. And, um, so I think that for me, it's also made me realize that I just want way more kids. And I'll tell you, having kids is way easier than people make it out to be. And really? it's, yeah, it's way easier. It's so way scary, better. Man. It, yeah. It, it seems scary. Um, and remember, like I would say the, the, the people that, that say kids are so hard is the people that don't have any. Right. So it's, it's a, it's, it's true. And it, when you talk to parents, typically parents are like, it's easier, it's better and it's cheaper. I mean, it's super cheap. And, and so, um, yeah, we're, we're hoping to have actually like five, six, seven kids. I mean, we're going to go, we're going to go for the, for the, for the, for the, for the, you know, hundred yard line for there. You're crazy, man. I love it though. <laughs> uh, I think it's all about your attitude too. If you think it's hard, it's going to be hard. If you think it's easy, it's going to be enjoyable. Exactly. You know exactly. I mean? well, I'll, I'll tell you, being a woman, I don't know. I can't speak for women, so <laughs> I can only speak. I can only speak for men. But being I'll tell a you, woman, yeah, right. Yeah, women are. I, I just have way more respect for women after seeing my my wife become a mother. That's for sure. Mm, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, well, I got one more question for you. But before I do ask you that, I want to acknowledge you, Dale, for a moment because. I am so 
proud to be your friend and proud to know you for starters. And I acknowledge you for that, all that you inspire to the world. You have been constantly creating great information and resources and content since the moment I met you that so many people are touched by. And when people, you know, when I share your information on my, on my page or to my audience, people thank me for sharing it because they're inspired by you. So I want to acknowledge you for your ability to grow, your ability to uh, be introspective and learn about yourself and share your mistakes and know where you're, you're, you're making mistakes and, and be willing and vulnerable to talk about those because those are the biggest lessons that people learn and that's where other people grow. So I want to acknowledge you for the inspiration you are in the world and for all the good that you do uh, to show people that they matter. So thank you for that. Dude, thank you. Yeah, man. And the final question is what's your definition of greatness? Oh man, I, I I'll I'll go with this one. I I think that today we are we are chasing one-dimensional greatness too often, and we we hustle hard for you know business success or for friendship success or whatever those you know these one dimensions are. And I think um, a couple of years ago I stopped following people that were just successful in business. And I wanted to find these men and women that were successful in relationships and at home. They had marriages that were 25 years and multiple children that respected them and that were also running multi-million dollar companies and and like had a good name, you know, in the community that were wise and like they literally conquered some the hardest arenas of life. You know, because being a parent, you you conquer that one well. Like you're you're a rock star. You you be a husband or a wife, and you conquer that one. Awesome. You conquer business on top of that. You're a beast. And um, so this this for me, I and those people are they're very rare and they're hard to find. It takes time, right? You need to you need to get married, have multiple children, conquer those areas, conquer long enough to have you know a large business and success under your belt. So those people are greatness to me, and I'm looking for those people all the time. Um, and anytime I get a chance to meet one or two of them, I'm like, oh, like, let me spend time with you because right. teach me the ways of balance, right? Because it's so hard to be great in all the areas. Mm. Dale Partridge, thanks so much for coming on, my man. I appreciate you. Dude, super stoked. Thank you, Lewis. You mean, your, your friendship means a lot as well. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much again for joining me today on this episode. To get the full show notes, make sure to head back to lewishouse.com slash 172. Again, lewishouse.com slash 172. And make sure to sign up for our free newsletter, guys. If you are listening to the podcast, you're a fan of the podcast, I send out weekly updates with some behind-the-scenes videos, footage, tips, tools, resources that you don't get on the podcast. So again, make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash 172. You'll see a place to sign up for the free newsletter. And I would love to see you on there more often and saying hi to me. And I'm, I respond to a lot of emails. So again, make sure to sign up. If you like stuff, then share it with your friends online. If you enjoyed this episode, again, please share this as well over on Twitter or Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, and make sure to tag me at Lewis Howes and at Dale Partridge over on all these places as well. It means a lot to me. And I'm super grateful for all of the new listeners who are here. So again, thank you if you're joining for the first time very grateful you're on here and please keep coming back because if you keep coming back i'm going to keep bringing you some incredible guests and uh, we do this three times a week so it's going to be coming a lot more 
in the near future. Very excited about who we've got coming out in the near future. Make sure to stick around. I appreciate you guys. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and not a yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.